high school is a time to learn. That's why we give you four years to learn these things. We don't expect you to come in and know how to do all of this. Just know that it is a time for learning. It's a time for growth. And the setbacks that your teenager is going to experience, and there will be many, we have to see those as learning opportunities rather than huge roadblocks. Isn't every transition scary, whether it's from the early intervention years into preschool and then from preschool into elementary school and elementary school into middle school, yikes, and then from middle school to high school. And I don't even want to talk beyond that. (laughs) Every transition is scary for parents, I think. We're probably more scared than our kids are, and there's so much to learn at each stage, and you gain a little bit of confidence at each stage as you go further along, but there's also new fears or new worries and new concerns. Today, we have a great guest on the podcast, Natalie Burrell. She's the founder of Life Success for Teens. She's coached high school and competitive cheerleading for eight years. And this is where she realized that she had a gift for connecting with teenagers and motivating them to be the best version of themselves. She has 14 years of experience working as a school psychologist in a public high school. She and her team of coaches help tweens and teens build their confidence, get grades that they are proud of, and reduce their stress. She's here to talk about the transition from middle school to high school for neurodiverse teens. Thanks so much for listening to today's conversation. Hi, Natalie. Welcome to Brave Together podcast. Hi, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you reached out because this is definitely a topic that we need to cover and we need to empower and educate our our parents. Every transition for us parents is so scary. <laughs> Every transition, whether it's from, you know, zero to three interventions into preschool, preschool into elementary school, elementary school into middle school and middle school to high school and beyond. It's just right. every transition is scary. So I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're passionate about this and about serving teens and their families. And so we're going to talk about what do we do? How do we prepare our kid? How do we probably prepare ourselves as parents a little bit too for the scary transition from middle school to high school? For some reason, this one feels extra scary, I think. And I have some friends, some of my college friends who are actually going through this transition with their kiddo themselves. And boy, that fear and that anxiety is real. (laughs) And so this is a topic I've been talking about a lot, like professionally and personally in the last couple months, especially with it being almost the end of the school year right now. Right, right. I mean, the the timing of this will be good because um, it will hit, you know, at the end of the school year. So this is really, really great timing. So let's dive in. You've got so many keys that are really important for parents to know how to prepare their kids. Let's start with what are the biggest differences between middle school and high school? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think I think it's scary for parents because they don't really know what to expect. You know, they might have some idea of what high school is like. Of course, you remember your own high school experience. You've probably gone maybe through freshman orientation already by this point in the year. But really understanding what the differences are, it's hard to know that until your kid is actually there or unless you have an older kiddo who's already started high school. But to me, one of the biggest differences is that the teachers are going to require much more independence and expect the students to do more things on their own. Parent communication is, of course, still necessary and still happens. But even little things like if you have a question about an assignment, that question should come from your teenager, not necessarily be emailed from the parent. Unless there's been, you know, some kind of big lack of communication or something is still unclear after your teenager has asked the question. But typically, that independence or that kind of taking initiative to advocate for yourself is something that's going to be expected more at the high school level than in middle school or junior high. So that's a big one. That is a big one because for our neurodivergent teens, that's a skill that they're going to have to really, really work on. And maybe they're there's role playing that parents can do over the summer, maybe. Yes, role play over the summer um, is absolutely a good idea. Even something as easy as learning how to craft an appropriate email is a skill that I see a lot of students, even upperclassmen, don't have. There's a really quick kind of template that I use to help kids write an email, and we call it the sandwich method. So I'll share that with you quickly if you're kind of wondering, well, how do I help my kid write an email? So the the first part is you're going to think of your introduction as one piece of bread. So you're going to say something nice, some type of greeting, like, hello, Mrs. Smith. Then comes the meat of the sandwich, or that's like, what's your question? What's your concern? It could be, I don't understand the assignment for tonight. I got stuck on number three. Then the closing is the last piece of bread, and that's another nicety that we're going to close it up with. So thank you so much for your help. See you in class tomorrow, etc. So it's just sandwich is in terms of a piece of bread, the meat in the middle, and then the piece of bread in the bottom. And it just kind of gives kids a little template to follow when they're crafting an email and keeps it pretty simple for them. Sometimes I think the, the what do I write gets in the way. Like, They would much rather write an email sometimes than walk up to their teacher and have a face-to-face conversation, but knowing what to say in the email can be tough. So practicing that over the summer is a really good thing. I like that. That's good. That's good. What else? What else are some big differences between middle school and high school? Having a ability to balance. And what I mean by that is balancing your academic demands because they are going to increase. The level of difficulty is going to increase. The amount of content your student is going to learn is going to increase. You have to be able to balance the academics with whatever activities they want to do. You know, maybe they want to do a sport or join some type of club. Maybe they want to get a job outside of school. And they're also, of course, going to want to have a social life. So balancing all of that and making time for all of those things or doing that effectively is something that absolutely takes practice. And nobody expects perfection for our incoming freshmen on any of these things we're talking about. But balance is a big one because I see our kids struggle with managing their time so often and not knowing how to handle all of that. Excellent point. And what about the social piece? Because that is so (laughs) huge. I mean, it was huge in middle school. And then 
it's such a big part of high school and high school pressure. It is. And I, in no way do I mean to paint a bleary picture because high school can absolutely be a fun social time of learning and experiences and opportunity, but you have to know how to navigate a social jungle. And for a lot of our neurodiverse kids, that is not a skill that comes naturally. It has to be modeled. It has to be seen. It has to be practiced. Their approaches sometimes have to be tweaked, and they have to talk out or learn some of the things that come naturally to some of our other kids. I was actually just recently talking to one of my students about this, and at the beginning of the year, he was telling me how he was struggling with knowing where to sit in the cafeteria. He had friends in there, but he was worried that if he sat down, they wouldn't want to sit with him or he would look different. You know, he had all these thoughts in his head. That little negative voice in his head was just going on and on. And so he chose not to go into the lunchroom and he just sat in a teacher's room and had lunch with the teacher for a couple of months. And that teacher was fine with it and and the kiddo was happy, but there was just that barrier of how do I approach a lunch table and sit down, which to him was a huge deal. And to other kids, it's like, okay, I'm just going to sit here. hope you like it. You know, so we had to really kind of work through that and just make sure he was comfortable. And we tried a couple of things until he found something he was comfortable with. And I'm very happy to say that he found one of his friends, that (laughs) the two of them actually found out they were both sitting with teachers during lunch. And they were like, we can sit with each other. This is great. So it did work out. But yeah, that that was a skill that really did not come naturally to him and was such a barrier. um, During lunchtime. Do you think sort of breaking down the school day and where all the opportunities are for the social skills, the act, you mm. know, and engagement. Obviously, there is some social time within classes, right? Yes. Sometimes you can chat with somebody who's next to you or what have you, or you're put in groups for mm-hmm. things. But maybe like look at you know, from the time that they walk out of the, the car or the bus or whatever it is to the time that they get back in the car or the bus to go home, kind of like analyzing where there are opportunities for social engagement and yes. maybe talk about that ahead of time. Yes. And to your point, you know, there's a lot of structured social time during the day where the expectations are kind of laid out for the students. So like, we're going to work in groups, here's your group, you know, or we're going to transition from this activity to this activity. It's very clear kind of what's expected of you. There's no gray area, but it's those unstructured times. It's the time before school starts. It's the time in between classes. It's lunchtime. It's right after school. Those are the times where there's no real guidelines necessarily. And we kind of just assume that kids will socialize and have fun and they'll be okay. But that's also the scariest time for a lot of our neurodiverse kids. Assemblies too. I forgot to mention assemblies. And so I think one of the things we can do to teach them is to really help prepare them to know what to expect during those different scenarios. And as a parent, you may not be able to do that because you yourself don't know what to expect, but that's where you need to enlist the help of somebody in school. So if your student has an IEP, get their intervention specialist or their case manager to walk them to the cafeteria, even before school starts sometimes, just to be like, this is where everybody sits. You know, you're allowed to sit here. You can sit here. You can sit with one person. You can sit with 10, just whatever, kind of give them some of the guidelines or knowing what to expect can be really helpful. 
Another helpful thing that you can do is give your teenager an out. And what I mean by that is something kind of like a get out of jail free card. So if they're not ready for a social situation like the cafeteria or like an assembly with over a thousand kids and the band playing, if that's just too much for them, make sure that they have the ability to go somewhere else where they are comfortable. So maybe that's the main office or the guidance office. Maybe it's meeting up with a special teacher they've connected with who doesn't have class that period, etc. But just for a teenager to know that they have a safety net or somewhere else to go can be really reassuring, even if they end up not using it. Oh, that's so good. That's so good to plan ahead, prepare ahead. And that I would imagine that that would help that teen feel a little bit less anxious, knowing that, well, if I feel like it, I can go. And if I don't feel like it, here's a safe space for yes. me to go to. That's so yes. great. That's so great. What else? You talk about another key, Natalie, that, that there's a real importance in getting involved. And I know, you know, mm-hmm. in my own experience, you know, the way we talk about it as parents is like, gosh, I want my kid to have something that anchors them when they get into yes. high school, some sort of activity or, or, or a sport or an extracurricular or a club or a, a something that kind mm-hmm. of where they can instantly find community or it gives them a sense of belonging. Is that what you're talking about? Absolutely. It's that whole idea of like the football players wear their jerseys on Fridays. It gives you a group, you know, the science club wears their t-shirts on Tuesdays or every time, you know, the swim team has a meet, they're wearing their hoodies, whatever it is, that feeling of belonging, that feeling of having a smaller community is wonderful. When you're in a sea of people and you don't really know where you fit, having something to belong to is a game changer in my opinion. Now, your teenager may be nervous, hesitant, resistant to joining a club or activity because, again, this is a, a social event where they're not sure of the expectations. So some of the things that could be helpful here are to find out or even get a list of all of the possible activities that are available at your high school or even in the community. It doesn't even necessarily have to be in the high school, but get some lists going for your teenager and don't ask them to like, don't say you have to pick one. <laughs> you have to pick one. I don't care what it is. Just pick one. If you can kind of reframe that and just say, hey, can you highlight like four of these that you might want to learn more information about? Or you might be curious to know what they do there. Just reframe that question because it makes that expectation very low. You're not asking them to do something uncomfortable. You're just asking them, hey, what might interest you? I'll get you some more information and then you can make a decision, you know, and if you want to join or not. So that's one thing. The other thing is if you can, if you have a mom friend who also has a teenager and you can almost set up, I'll call it a play date. It's not a play date, right? But if you can be like, hey, my kid might want to do robotics. Does your kid want to do robotics? Cool. Let's do robotics together. You know, if there is somebody else that, you know, your teenager is friends with that can join an activity with them, you know, you can set it up for them or they can set it up. But it's that whole idea of like how girls go to the bathroom together sometimes. We just need somebody else with us, right? Like I go to the gym on Fridays, but I go with my neighbor because it feels more comfortable and I wouldn't always go by myself if she didn't go. So if you can have them join an activity with a friend, that makes it easier. 
And then my last piece of advice there is if your kiddo does not want to choose an activity right away, it's okay. Give them some time to just marinate in this new high school experience, soak it all in, and they might even start to have some of the coaches or advisors as teachers. And at that point, you know, you as the parent will start to know like, hey, Mr. Smith is the track coach and he's your math teacher. Like, You can even have a conversation with Mr. Smith and be like, hey, can you talk to Tommy about track? I think he might be interested in, but he won't he won't say anything to me about it. Would you prompt him and see if he wants to come out? Because if it comes from a teacher, that's totally different than if it comes from mom or dad. So true. That's so good. What is maybe the number one fear of parents that you would want to speak to? Or what's maybe an area that parents think about or focus on, but you would like to say, I'd really like to see you focus on this instead. You know, if there's, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of a misguided way that parents either prepare or think about the transition. Mm -hmm. You know, I hear parents talk most often about being scared about the social piece of high school in terms of the peer pressure and the fitting in. And I do think that that is something to worry about But what I wish parents were really worried about was just learning life skills in general so that they can manage that social piece, so that they can learn to manage their time, so they can learn to stay organized and balance all of the things. Like if you hyper-focus on one thing that you're worried about for your teenager, you're going to create this story in your mind of what's going to happen and it's going to stress you out as mom. But if you shift your focus and your perspective about how High school is a time to learn. That's why we give you four years to learn these things. You know, we don't expect you to come in and know how to do all of this. Just know that it is a time for learning. It's a time for growth. And the setbacks that your teenager is going to experience, and there will be many, we have to see those as learning opportunities rather than huge roadblocks. That's true. That's true. I know. We, gosh, we just hang on our kids waves of emotions and highs and lows. And we need to be able to step back a little bit and just know that the highs and lows are a part of the high school experience. It's part of the adolescent experience. The setbacks are a part of the, you know, it doesn't mean like, oh, everything is terrible for my teen. You know, we can hear that ahead of time, <laughs> especially for any of our parents who are first timers mm-hmm. with their their eighth grader going into to high school. Yeah, it's really, really important to hear that. And also for our to tell that to our kids. I mean, I feel like I've yes. that to my kids. Like I just want you to know that the highs and lows of your feelings are a part of adolescence. It doesn't mean that you're clinically depressed or clinically anxious. It is just part of the hormonal journey and the adolescent journey that there are ups and downs and disappointments and victories. It's so it's so intense. <laughs> it just it's, is. It's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> That's a good That is reminder. for sure. And I would say, you know, with those setbacks, parents, please don't feel like it has to be all on you to fix it or solve it. Like, please reach out to the school staff. That's what they're there for. Don't hesitate to email a teacher if there's something you need. Don't hesitate to get close to their guidance counselor. Don't hesitate to come to you know parent-teacher conferences and meet everybody in person. I think it just helps parents realize, like, oh, the teachers actually do care. <laughs> you know, sometimes they do things that, that frustrate parents and they maybe don't understand, 
but they're real human beings who care about kids. That's why they got into this profession. And if you can take time to build some relationship with them, it just works wonders. And I just want parents to know that in general, school staff are on their side and want what's best for their teenager. And we want parents to reach out to us. You know, I I work in a public high school as well as being an academic life coach. And in the high school, I love it when parents call me and they say, this is what my kid is experiencing. I don't know what to do about it. Can you help me or point me in the right direction? And I love that because oftentimes I'll be able to say, like, did you know we have this resource or this resource? And they didn't know that. So please reach out and use your school staff. That's what they're there to help you do. Hmm, that's a good encouragement. That's a good, so don't be afraid, parents. All right, are you listening? Don't be to afraid. That? <laughs> they're, they're ready. Just like just like I tell my college students, and go to the office hours of your professors. They are waiting for you yes. to show up and ask questions and show interest and build yep. that relationship with them. The counselors at school are also waiting for that and appreciate parents. And I do think that students and parents sometimes feel like they don't want to say anything or ask for help because they don't want to be seen as a burden. And right. and that's just not the case. Are we all busy people? Yes, absolutely. Do we have more work than we can handle? Yes, absolutely. But do we want to help your kid? Yes. So please give us the chance to do that. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Natalie, is there anything that you haven't said that you're like, I always say this, this is really key. This is really important. I want to make sure that our audience hears this. Oh gosh, that's a really good question. What do I always (laughs) say? There's probably so many things that I always say. Okay. This is what I want to tell you. If I had to pick a piece of advice just to give high school, incoming high school parents in general, I would just tell them, you know, if, if there is a setback, take some deep breaths about it. This is not something that is going, it's brand new. You know, other parents have experienced this. Other students have experienced this. Reach out, get some support, find other moms maybe who've gone through something similar, or just rely on your mom friends to let you know it's going to be okay. It's not the end of the world. I can think of so many instances where I've had parents kind of in tears on the phone about things that have happened with their kid. And then a year later, I'll be talking to them and it's like, it never happened. You know, you just, you move on, you recover, you move on to the next obstacle. So if there is something that comes up that seems like the end of the world. Just remember it's not. It's just one chapter in this very long story that is their high school experience and it it will be okay. That's really, really helpful. And yes, call upon your mom friends. Call your, you know, find some mom friends who are ahead of you in the journey yes. that you can mentor you or organically mentor you. Obviously, I'm pro that with We Are Brave Together. We need each other. We learn from each you other. Do. We get support and perspective from each other and wisdom and experience. So yes, do not try to do this alone. It does not need to be a lonely journey. That's my, that's my absolute best advice. Oh, that's so good. Natalie, this is so great. So if anyone is curious about having a consult with you or just to hear more about what you do or, gosh, I need more tips, I my interest is peaked, where do they find <laughs> sure. you? There's a couple of different places to find us. Our website is lifesuccessforteens.com. It's a mouthful. It's long. <laughs> um, but you can also find us on Instagram. We're at lifesuccessforteens. And then we have a parent Facebook group. And if you're looking for that, it's called Parents Raising Successful Teens. And it's re- I don't mean to take 
credit. It's not just me at Life Success for Teens. There's 12 of us who are coaches. So we're all educators in some capacity, either teachers or guidance counselors or school psychologists like myself. So it's a nice mix because we all have a different background, a different perspective. And when we work with students, we really try hard to pair that incoming student with our coach that's going to be the best fit, whether it's because of their background or, you know, I speak IEP language. I I know what ADHD is inside and out. I can talk about learning differences. I have some coaches that are basketball coaches. So if we have a kiddo that comes in and is interested in sports, boom, there's my connection. You know, so we really take great care to match our incoming families with a coach that's going to be the best fit for them. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. Well, fantastic. What a treat to be with you this morning. And thank thank you you for loving teenagers and their families. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I do love them. They're my favorite people. Ah, wonderful. Thanks, Jessica. All right. You take care, Natalie. You too. Thanks so much for listening today. Do us a favor and leave us a review and a rating so that this podcast can get into the ears and the hearts of more and more moms. Did you know that Brave Together Podcast is an extension of our nonprofit organization called We Are Brave Together? We Are Brave Together serves an international community of caregiving moms by offering support groups that are virtual and in-person, educational resources, and low-cost weekend retreats. And we offer retreat scholarships. We represent all 50 of the United States and 21 countries around the world. We are here to remind you that you are not alone. You are braver and stronger than you think, and that girlfriends who get you are sacred and mandatory. To join us today, go to wearebravetogether.org. Our support and sisterhood await you.